Hey there, you're listening to Dr. Teacher. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm here to talk to you about how to be a teacher activist and advocate for and empower marginalized students and their families. If you've listened before, you know that as a white woman, I truly believe that I have been complicit in a lot of policies and expectations of teachers that are truly damaging and dangerous to our students. So this podcast serves as a forum for us as white women to confront our whiteness and how we, as critically conscious educators, are trying to challenge white supremacy, starting from within our classrooms, but knowing that our job does not end there. So let's dive in. Today we're talking about my critical educational autobiography. Um, I'm getting to the end of my coursework and I'm moving into my prelim stage, which is where I basically write my final exams before I start my dissertation. And um, I'm having to reflect on, well, and wanting to reflect on my experiences overall um, throughout graduate school in these three years that I've been here and how they've kind of impacted how I see the world. So This podcast episode is going to be split into two segments. The first one is going to be talking about me as a person and my identity. And then the second segment is going to be talking about the institution as a whole and how it's helped me make sense of um, my education and my place in space and preparing me for what comes next. I will be using the um, outline that Powers used in 1998. It's called Using Critical Autobiography to Teach the Sociology of Education. Um, It comes from the Teaching Sociology Journal, and um, I found this really helpful for me in terms of thinking about um, all of the things that have impacted who I am now as a teacher, as a student, as a scholar, as a wife, as a mother, and so that's what I'll be using to guide the conversation. Coming into graduate school, I guess I hadn't really thought about how much my identity impacted how I am socialized for the education that I received. Um, And so I've had to confront a lot of things, especially about whiteness and white supremacy, in order to function in a space that I feel like is preparing me for a meaningful future in education. Um, One of those things being just my upbringing and my background. Um, As a white woman from a white, Christian, middle-class, small town in Wisconsin, um, my experiences working with diverse groups of people did not happen until college. And when I began those experiences as a teacher, um, I definitely had a white savior complex. Um, I could feel myself coming home from student teaching just with feeling like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. I would cry myself to sleep at 4 p.m. every night um, just thinking about the awful things that my students had to endure, um, never once considering that perhaps it didn't have to be that way. So coming into graduate school, um, especially after years of having this white savior complex, um, it definitely was a a challenge for me, unfortunately. Um, It shouldn't have to be this way, and it shouldn't have to be for all of us white folks that um, people of color are explaining these things to us. And so one of my missions for this podcast is that we're not using the emotional and intellectual labor of people of color to try to come to terms with the fact that we exist in a, a society that is led by white supremacy. So um, part of my training, I, I definitely was training culturally relevant pedagogies, and we had an equity institute in the district where I worked in, but I never, ever considered 
how to change the system instead of um, just what was going on in my own classroom. And I think a lot of that goes back to the fact that challenging the system has to do with giving up power and um, people in power don't like to give that up and especially white folks in power. So um, just trying to make sense of the history of education and how we've gotten here and why history isn't just, we don't study history just to learn about um, the mistakes that we've made so that we don't make them again. We have to understand just how much it has impacted where we are today and where we're going. So um, graduate school has really helped me to observe the, the history of education in our country and why our schools are so segregated, why our schools are more segregated than they were in the 80s, um, why we have um, students of color predominantly also in low socioeconomic status um, schools. So it has definitely helped me to think about this, but really honestly, I don't think that I considered any of this, um, any of the systemic issues in education or the institutional issues in education until I came to Iowa State. So that's one thing that has definitely impacted how I um, approach my education. Um, I have always, because I am a typical white teacher, I have always felt like um, I've had this extra extrinsic motivation in school um, because I loved being the teacher's pet. I loved being someone that was doing the right thing. I loved being someone that was acknowledged for all the great things that I was doing. Um, And so I've been pretty, and I was okay with that. So coming to grad school, I really had to come to terms with the fact that my teachers weren't going to um, encourage me or be proud of me simply because I followed direction. I actually, in a lot of ways, was challenged to not follow directions or think of new ways to pave um, my own education or ways that education as a whole could be paved. And so I'm really grateful that although I had conformed in so many ways, um, All right, so I'm working through some of the kinks I got and cut off, but um, I really had to deal with the fact and confront all of the um, biases, implicit, um, unconscious, conscious, subconscious that I had. Um, it's been a bit of a struggle because I grew up in a household where um, a lot of these things hadn't been considered. So especially in conversations with my dad, um, there's a lot of mismatch in understanding or how we view the world. Um, also, our priorities are different. Um, and so just thinking about how I can make sense of my upbringing and obviously be incredibly appreciative of the upbringing that I did have, but also acknowledge that all the privileges that I had growing up have impacted um, how I see the world. And in a lot of ways, I'm not proud of that. So just trying to make sense of that and also trying to make sense of the fact that I've always taken education for granted. Uh, Coming into grad school, um, I had zero student debt and I still have zero student debt. Um, I haven't had to ever consider the um, financial implications of being a student. And so knowing that Although um, financially I've really struggled in grad school, that I'm still going to be able to complete school without having any debt is a really big deal. Um, I 
it was always assumed that I would go to college. It was always assumed that I would get my master's. Uh, the PhD was a bit of a surprise even for me, but um, at the same time, not really surprising. So just trying to make sense too of um, how I ended up at the institution um, versus how some of my colleagues ended up at the institution. It was definitely much more of a fight, unfortunately, uh, for some of them to be in the spaces that I'm I'm in. And um, I definitely think that oftentimes I didn't really think about the impact of how easy um, all of it was for me. And so having to confront the fact that as a white person, um, I have had a lot of really, really great experiences without a lot of the hurt or the struggle, um, that's a pretty big deal. So coming into grad school, I guess I had assumed um, that I would be interacting with a lot of people that looked like me, um, especially a lot of white women, because that's a lot of the people that I work with in education in the classroom. But that actually didn't end up being the case. I think, um, yes, there are white women, especially in professor um, positions at my institution, but a lot of my colleagues and a lot of my close colleagues um, I would say are not white women. And actually I would say a lot of them are men of color. And so that was really, um, an interesting experience for me in terms of navigating classroom spaces, um, and how we approach learning and how we approach research. I was really grateful, um, that my colleagues were, um, patient with me, even though they didn't have to be. And I know that sometimes they weren't and they let me know. And I, I'm really grateful for that because although it hurt and I had to deal with a lot of those implicit um, biases that I have, that it's making me a person that um, can do the work in ways that are more meaningful. And so I'm really grateful for those conversations that I've had with my colleagues especially in terms of people who look differently than me, but also in terms of people who have had different life experiences as me. Um, we all are, we all ended up at this same place for some reason. And so I've been really grateful um, to learn from a lot of them. I think in general, um, a lot of my colleagues have been more anti-school than pro-school, which um, I've always been pro-school, and so trying to navigate all of those issues and really break down a lot of the things that I have done as an educator and how they have been very damaging for my students in my care and other students in my school um, was definitely really hard intellectually and emotionally. But I feel like I um, am on a journey now in order to confront more of those. Um, and I feel like I can best do that definitely from the classroom. Um, I feel very removed from a lot of those things that are happening while I'm at the institution. So I'm really glad and hopeful that I'll get back to the classroom um, sooner rather than later so that I can um, continue to confront some of those biases and be vocal with the people that I'm serving uh, and the families that I'm serving about those so that they know that I um, am going to make mistakes, but I need people to call me out on those mistakes and I'm working really hard to um, fight this system from the classroom. Um, so in terms of other things that have kind of impacted me and gotten me to 
to where I am um, in my grad school program and have gotten me prepared to go back into the classroom, um, I kind of feel like one of the biggest reasons that I need to get back to the classroom is because I left the classroom because I didn't have the skills, tools, knowledge, etc., um, in order to feel like I really could serve my students well. Um, I felt like I was doing an okay job and definitely better than perhaps um, others in my position. Um, but I also know that my colleagues were working their tails off and um, it wasn't being recognized, it wasn't being celebrated, and we had, at the end of the day, um, zero growth if you're measuring student success through high stakes testing. Um, and it just created a really devastating and depressing environment in our school. And so um, getting back into the classroom has been something that I really want to do because I, I feel like I inherently have now this different view of teaching and this different view of, of my job in the classroom and in a school building. And so um, I'm grateful for grad school for that reason because it's really helped me to kind of get... Um, more grounded in my purpose. What is my purpose as a teacher? Is my purpose to um, to love kids and be with kids? Um, it was, but I hope that that's no longer my purpose. I hope my purpose is to make change. So many things um, on an institutional level, well, so many things in my life have impacted how I view the institution um, along the, my graduate journey. I used to think that I had the power to choose my own destiny and that if I worked really hard, everything I wanted would come to fruition. I totally bought in to meritocracy and capitalism because as a white person, this was all true for me. I did have this dream of going to graduate school and it did come to fruition. However, as a mother working in this institution, I did have some hurdles that I had to overcome um, in terms of people's thoughts about what I could or could not accomplish. And so um, I've had to have really wrestle with some of the conversations I've had or comments that people have made towards me, um, like that fact that my IQ dropped 30 points when I had my son is what one professor told me. Um, so still just trying to make sense of how I can advocate for myself and really realize when something that someone is saying is inherently sexist or racist. And then how I, as, a, um, as someone who wants to advocate for people who are from marginalized backgrounds, how I can respond in that moment instead of just smiling and nodding. Um, so I definitely do feel like the institution... Um, and academia in general still definitely has this power structure at play and from the way that I've been socialized to think that um, my, uh, my superiors have power over me and have the truth and have the knowledge, um, sometimes I really struggle with kind of confronting those power dynamics. Another struggle that I've had a lot in grad school is um, how to navigate the, the financial aspect of grad school. Um, every semester having to renegotiate uh, what my position is going to be, how I'm going to get paid, who I'm going to work for, and then trying to find supplemental income on the side in order to just make ends meet and be able to afford to send my kids to childcare. 
So that has been a huge struggle for me. And to this day, I truly believe in free childcare for graduate students. It would make so much sense to me, especially in the School of Education, where we have so many pre-service teachers who are looking for opportunities to work with children. And um, so that's something that I think about often. Uh, Another thing about graduate school and about the institution in general is how isolating it is. When we talk about power structures and how to challenge and dismantle those power structures, it's really hard when you spend the majority of your day by yourself reading and writing. And so um, it is, it's just incredibly isolating and I feel like we have to figure out a way, perhaps creating more of a, a cohort model at my institution so that we feel more of a connection to one another and we, we have that daily face-to-face time um, that so many of us in education especially really need. Although there have been a lot of things that have been really tough and devastating for me um, throughout graduate school, one of them being Trump being elected into office, I have been able to begin to find my teacher activist identity um, and voice. So that has been um, probably one of the biggest benefits of going through graduate school is that I feel like I need to get back into the classroom so that I can use my voice to make change and uh, not just use it to close my door and only work with the students who are in my care that year. To me, graduate school just feels like this big machine that eats you up and spits you out whenever it feels like. And um, I use that metaphor because there are some days where I feel incredibly supported and encouraged and ready to um, really just take on the world. But then something will happen, like I'll get an email reminding me that I don't have funding for next semester that sends me into a tailspin. And so it has been mentally exhausting um, to be in grad school and try to figure out how to navigate systems. Um, I have found that social capital has actually been more impactful for me than intellectual capital uh, throughout grad school. And I really do think that we need to acknowledge social capital as an accepted form of knowledge in academia um, because so many of my professors have said it's not who you know, it's, or it's not what you know, it's who you know. And um, so I think that we need to start being, acknowledging that that needs to trickle down to K-12 spaces and that we need to figure out how to um, monitor student success or student achievement, not just in terms of content knowledge, but also how they're navigating um, our democracy. So that's just some thinking about the institution in general and some problems that I've had and how it's kind of created, uh, put me in a place where I um, have been begin, begun to think about some of these things. Um, I do believe that a lot of my professors in my program in general, um, that they all truly believe that we construct knowledge together and that they are not the end-all be-all and the only person that holds knowledge. However, I do sense this, this friction between their agency and then the structures at play. So most of my mentors in graduate school encouraged me to have a lot of agency and encouraged me to dream big. But upon reflecting on their roles in the academy, I do see um, that they're still restricted in a lot of ways because of the structures at play. And this has definitely been one of those things that has convinced me that I need to get out as soon as possible and back to the classroom um, because I don't want to play that game in academia and um, I'm just not interested in, 
in doing that. And maybe there are some ways that I'm going to have to play that game in the K-12 spaces as well. And I'm, I'm sure that those will happen, but my passion is there and my passion is not in academia. So I think that trying to think about what things I'm willing to navigate and what things I'm absolutely not going to budge on, I think will be um, easier for me uh, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, etc. Um, back in the classroom. Um, all of those experiences with social capital um, have really helped me to um, make a lot of contacts that have opened up a lot of doors for me and provided me a lot of opportunities um, and honestly financial supports that I never would have thought um, possible. I've gotten to do a lot of grant writing, going to conferences, presenting at conferences, publishing, translating, um, professional development leading, teaching, researching, etc. that I probably would not have done had I not known the people that I knew in graduate school. Um, I do acknowledge that a lot of these opportunities fell into my lap. I didn't necessarily go and seek them out. Um, I also have to acknowledge that uh, because I have kids, I would want to be home when my kids were home. I wanted to be able to spend time with them. And so I had to turn down a lot of opportunities in the evenings um, in order to spend time with my family. Um, in terms of social capital, this woman probably doesn't even know just how much of an impact she's had on my graduate experience, but um, there's a woman that works in our office named Robin Goldie, and she has been... Um, my number one supporter, whether she knows it or not, she sends out a weekly email letting us know about opportunities for service and opportunities for funding. And that is where I've found out most of the things that I know um, and most of the experiences that I've had while at Iowa State. So um, she has also been someone to make sure that I'm meeting milestones and she's very knowledgeable in terms of what needs to... what. What boxes need to get checked in order for me to be prepared to move forward? Um, there has been one specific program within the School of Education um, that has helped me to take more of a critical view of the institution in K-12 systems, and that would be the um, Social Justice Certificate. And I have learned a lot about myself through the classes that I've been taking um, through the certificate. And a lot of it, honestly, is because of my peers and my colleagues that I have been in those classes with. Um, as critical friends and scholars, they've called me out on some of the um, implicit biases that I'm projecting or some of the, honestly, some of the um, self-centered things that I've said um, that where I'm not acknowledging my whiteness. And so they've helped me to make sense of those things and how to continue to grow in um, my identity as a critically conscious teacher. Um, I do want to think that we can challenge power dynamics. And as I said earlier, um, I still feel weird doing that. And I, it feels uncomfortable and not how I've been socialized. Um, I am grateful for the professors that I had that created spaces in their classrooms where we didn't even have to necessarily challenge those dynamics because the professors came in right away saying that they wanted it to be um, an environment where everyone's knowledge is thought of as um, equally important. And so those classrooms, I think, 
I learned the most from, but I do know that some of my colleagues really didn't appreciate that structure. So that's something that I've been thinking a lot about as well. Um, All in all, I think that all of my experiences in graduate school have reiterated the fact that I need to get back into K-12 spaces. Um, I know that I want to, quote unquote, do the work by being on the ground and being a part of grassroots movements in a community where these conversations perhaps aren't even being had yet. And if they are, um, maybe they're talking, like their talk is cheap, they're talking about it, but there's not a lot of action. Um, I need to accept the fact that predominantly women, especially in the Midwest, are dominating the workforce in, in teaching spaces. And so as a white woman, I'm trying to use some of my privilege in order to have conversations with other white women um, to have some of this critical conscious work done, some reflexivity reflecting on our own instruction, our own um, biases that perhaps are just, we're not even acknowledging yet. And we also need to think about um, how we as white people are impacting the type of education that our students are getting. And so I'm just feeling so called every day more and more to get back in the classroom and begin to have those conversations with my colleagues and with my superiors and really truly do the work. Well, that's it for today. Um, Again, this is just my critical um, educational autobiography, thinking about my experiences in grad school and how they've created um, or formulated my thoughts about my role as a person, um, but also my role in our institution and why I'm feeling so called to get back into the classroom. So uh, thanks for listening. And um, I'm hoping that next time I'll get to talk to you a little bit about um, applying for jobs with this new sense of critical consciousness and how that goes for me. And so I encourage you to follow my podcast. And I also just wanted to um, throw a shout out to my professor, Dr. Um, Catherine Richardson-Bruna, who encouraged me um, to create this podcast as a, um, a non-traditional way of producing my work and um, getting it out there and sharing it with others, especially um, educators. And so thank you to her for always being innovative and um, challenging me to keep that same rigor, but do it in ways that feel right to me in my heart and in my head.